Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. Kindle. And hello, world. Hi, world. How's it going? How are you? I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the second episode of Sisters Talk Brothers. That's right. We're back. Be prepared. (laughs) Now it really gets going. (laughs) I had a couple things I wanted to talk about off the top here. Just a little intro, get us warmed up. But first... Um, in editing last week's episode, I had an addendum to make, because you made me sound way nicer than I actually am. How did I do that? <laughs> we were talking about the overall quality of the first episode, and how it wasn't really that bad, and I was wondering, like, would my first impression of it have been different if I had seen it with you? And you said that, like, when we watched it together, I knew how important it was to you, and while I was listening to the recording of this, I was like, no, I don't deserve any credit (laughs) because I knew how important it was to you. And I was watching, I was binging this show with you because I knew it would make you really happy. But I am still an older sibling and I gave this show so much shit, (laughs) like especially during the first season. Like I remember... I, I actually did like it more than I intended to, but I still gave it shit because I was like, my little baby sister likes this, so it definitely <laughs> can't be good. Like, oh my god, Hattie, you like this show? Uh Well, like, I like- can remember you, like, you know, poking holes and me just being like, no, no, I, I understand, but look look past that. <laughs> look, look past that and just... See it for what it is. Good. Me- meanwhile, I'm doing the big sister eye roll of like, yeah, sure, you child. God. <laughs> I knew it was important to you, and I was still like my bitchy self. So current me would like to apologize for past me to you, officially. <laughs> I think the fact that I am now making a podcast about Supernatural with you is probably a testament to the fact that uh, you do have good taste. <laughs> I do. I I promise I do. I also have bad taste. I just, I have all kinds of taste. Everybody does. We usually just only own up to the good tastes. We also talked about, or briefly mentioned, the similarities between ourselves and Dean and Sam. Yes. Which, I wonder somewhat if every pair of siblings out there, especially, well, Maybe not every Especially pair. one is older and younger. I'm thinking, like, if you're not twins, <laughs> you're going to probably share some things in common with Dean and Sam. Yeah. Okay, so you start. How are we similar and also maybe different from Dean and Sam? Well, like, Dean is more of a drinker than Sam. <laughs> and as I sip on my red wine, I am definitely more of a drinker than you. <laughs> fair, fair. 
I would say in some ways you are nerdier than I am. You wear your nerd on your sleeve Mm -hmm. in a way that I like Dean will pass as like, oh yeah, I'm the cool person. But then you get me talking about anything. I'm like, and you're like, oh no, actually she's a nerd. Dean, we find, is actually a bit of a nerd, but he's not as out and proud with it as Sam is. One way you are different is you aren't as judgy and whiny as Sam. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Yeah. That's something that, especially last episode, I really was like, damn, Sam is so judgy and whiny. Like, ugh. Yeah, I I, I like when he, like, gets past that a bit. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, you know, early on, he's very angsty about the whole Jess thing. Which, I mean, who wouldn't be? That's fair. That's very fair. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of things that are, like, aren't super deep. Because a lot of things about the relationship are, like, super emotional. And trying to think of all the superficial ways that we're similar. I'm definitely more of a parent to you. Dean is more of a parent to Sam. Well, yeah, I mean, I... At least I I used to be. I've I've gotten better now that we're both adults. (laughs) But I I used to be super mommy. Well, yeah, because, like, I can remember, you know, like coming and talking to you about things that other people might go to their parents about, like being more comfortable talking mm-hmm. with you. Heck, I taught you to drive, so... Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know that I did such a good job, but I tried. I tried. <laughs> I feel like Dean would have taught Sam how to drive. Like, I feel like John, with his hunting and drinking, he probably didn't get around to that. I wonder if he even taught Dean how to drive. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I could totally see Dean self-teaching, like, in the moment. He's behind the wheel waiting for John to come running out of the woods, and then they squeal out as some monster's chasing John down. Like, I could totally see that. Well, like, I can even picture, say, 10-year-old Dean and Sam is sick and John's out on a hunt, and so Dean hot wires a car and half-ass gets Sam to the hospital or something. Yeah. Man, how do you teach yourself how to hot wire a car? Yeah. Criminalism. Hey, but, but who was the first person who was like, you know, I bet if I tore this big plastic bit off, cut <laughs> these two these wires. wires together. <laughs> I don't know what these wires do, but I bet if I cut them and made opposites touch... (laughs) (laughs) Something will happen. Something will happen. I don't know if we're good, but it'll happen. Speaking of something we didn't mention last week, we did mention that Mary has a history as a hunter, which Mm -hmm. made us both feel like she should have been a little more prepared for the visitation that night. We didn't mention that John also has his history with the military. hunting. No, with hunting that he's unaware of. Right, because of um, the angels taking his memory. No. No? Because John's dad was actually a man of letters. And oh, right, right. accidentally abandoned his son when he went to the future and died so there. Like it's in his blood and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. So thinking back to that first episode and knowing that he could have been steeped in this hunting, not world so much, but lore at least. Oh yeah, they, he would have been much more prepared. They could have prevented that whole thing. Yes. <laughs> but then they wouldn't they, have a so, show. 
Right, right. Things have to happen for plot, obviously. Right. We never get to see John realize his own family history with hunting. Right. And how that probably would have been, like, really, in terms of the story, very... I don't want to say, I want to say like organic, but I don't think that's the right word, but like full circle and fulfilling. Well, that would have been, it would have been really interesting if he had, you know, gotten to meet his dad and like found out that, you know, it wasn't his dad's fault. His dad didn't leave on Mm -hmm. purpose. Mm -hmm. That probably affected how he raised his kids too. I mean, definitely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to say that for John. He didn't abandon his kids until they were 22 and 27. So, Yeah. <laughs> and even then, it was for a, a reason. Um, a reason. And let's get into that reason. <laughs> let's talk about Season 1, Episode 2, Wendigo. Wendigo. I'm never sure about how to say that. I'm going to call it a Wendigo. Even though that's not right. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Uh, We have a very comprehensive previously on. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just the one episode. And they made this previously on more dramatic than (laughs) the whole entire first episode. (laughs) Well, they got they got to reel you back in. Lots of like echo edits and slamming music and dramatic voiceovers. Jeez, and they went hard. Yeah, so hard. Uh, and then we go to Lost Creek, Colorado. I really love Colorado. I don't know that I want to live there, but I've never been. It's a fun place to go. Have I? Have I ever been to Colorado? Uh, not that I know of. Yeah, I don't think so. So, on my umpteenth rewatch of the Wendigo episode, my roommate was in the room, Michael, and a friend of ours, Nate, was also in the room. So, I had to keep telling them to shut up so I could have my own thoughts in my notes <laughs> instead of being influenced it by them. It was a barrier. Um, but one thing that Michael pointed out that I wouldn't have noticed in the opening scene when the campers are playing on their little handheld games, uh, he said that those were original Nintendo DSs. I was wondering, because um, we later found out his name is Gary. They show his thumb like hovering over the screen like it's a touchpad almost. And I was very confused, because I didn't know they had that technology in 2005. <laughs> Something I noticed on my rewatch of a rewatch of a rewatch is three guys two tents gary and what's his name brad brad are boyfriends i didn't know well i mean that's just what i'm gonna assume they have two tents for three guys and two of them are sharing they're playing their hobby their game together i don't know that's adorable i love it headcanon headcanon the guy who's alone in the tent, we know his name is Tommy, he's taking a video for his, we find out later, his sister. Saw it near Blackwater Ridge. We're fine. Keep it safe. So don't worry. Talk to you tomorrow. On his very high-tech Blackberry, uh, his satellite phone Blackberry. 
And meanwhile, there's this growling outside. And you're like, ooh, something scary is about to happen. Brad, who is a little tired of continuously losing to his boyfriend, goes outside to pee. Hey, where are you going? My moment of victory. Nature falls. And he gets ambushed, he screams, and everyone is pretty chill. I mean, Gary's a little unnerved, but he sticks his head out to see what's going on. Yeah, if one of my compatriots uh, lets out a blood-curdling scream in the middle of the woods, I would have immediately been on high alert. I would have immediately been on my BlackBerry satellite phone dialing whatever the park ranger version of 911 is. <laughs> like, uh, especially after the second guy screams. When the second, when Gary gets abducted, then finally Tommy's like, oh shit. He <laughs> turns off his light, which is well, smart, I mean, but doesn't smart. end up helping him in the end. No, I think if it were an actual person animal out there turning the light out and being very still probably was a smart thing to do little does tommy know he's not dealing with a grizzly bear so as far as we know they're all dead uh side note i i, I scrolled through imdb's trivia for this episode and when brad gets kidnapped by our mysterious monster he is reading a book some title or something written by joseph campbell hmm oh wow notice the last name campbell yes i know that last name campbell that's uh mary's maiden name exactly the hunting family campbells i just got really like georgia southern with it so one has to wonder if this early on, if they aren't making some reference to the famous Campbells. Anyways, we cut to Callie. And Sam is sad-faced. His boo done died. The colors in that scene seem brighter to me. Do you know why? Because it's a dream. Because it's a dream. We don't know that at first, though. We see him with flowers visiting her grave. And, like, and it's I mean, who gets their with... own freaking face on a tombstone? Oh, no, that happens a lot. Really? Because that's the only time I've seen it. Uh, now, you see it a little... I, I've seen it here and there. It's not a common thing. I feel like it's common in Supernatural. But <laughs> just so that you can remember, like, who this person is. Yeah, I mean, it seems kind of vain but, to like, me. Just in case you forgot which person Jessica was, here's her face. Another hint that we have that it is a dream is her grave is grown over with grass. You would swear this is three months later, not days later. Yeah. We learn from the tombstone, and I learned from IMDb, because I'm not this astute, that Jessica and Dean share a birthday, January 24th, and she and Mary share a death date, November 2nd. That's crazy. I mean, it's a little weird, right? I, it, I feel that like had, you're poking holes in my badge of honor of knowing everything about Supernatural. Well, I mean, I didn't know this. I am to be knew this. But that had to be intentional. This early on in the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not, this isn't throwing darts at a calendar and seeing what sticks, you know. Well, I mean, it probably was intentional of the demon, too. Well, we don't know that it's a demon yet, but we know that it's a demon. No, <laughs> this particular form of death, you know pinned the ceiling all aflame. 
Can only the yellow-eyed demon kill that way, or any demon could kill that way, right? I mean, any demon could kill that way, and we learn... Well, I don't know that we necessarily learn because demons lie, but there is a particular demon that Sam deals with who says that it was him who actually followed out that order and not the head honcho himself. Okay. Well, I was just wondering because... I mean, he could have been lying to kind of get a rise out of Sam, but... Yeah, I was thinking, like, if it were the yellow-eyed demon who did this, we should have seen John in the picture somewhere in Palo Alto before now. Right, because he would have been on its tail, so to speak. Yeah, he sets the flowers down, and a hand reaches up out of the ground to grab him, and woof! Nope, it's just a dream. They're in an Apollo, and we get some rock music. Hot-blooded, check it and see. Dean, with his big bro instinct, knows it was not a good dream, and he offers to let Sam drive. <laughs> yeah, and we already mentioned talking about driving and who taught whom how to drive, but did we ever see the scene of John bequeathing the Impala to Dean? No. Do we ever talk about it? No. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it would be weird, though, with, um, like, I think the Impala means more to Dean than it does to John. Of course it does, because Dean has it and John doesn't, and Dean's always taking care of it, but... Yeah, I was just, I kind of wish we could have seen that moment. Like, between the Impala and the jacket, John must have realized the symbols that they meant to were Dean. and are to Dean and wanted to accomplish something. I just, I would have loved to have seen the look on Dean's face when he finds out the Impala is his. Ugh. Ugh. He would have been so happy. His happy little puppy face. Yeah. Yeah. Or, sorry, Sam's the puppy. His happy little princess face. Like, <laughs> the greenest anyways. eyes to ever green. In true fucked up Winchester fashion, Sam insists he is perfectly okay, even though his girlfriend Classic died. Winchester. Yeah. Also, when you put the word perfectly in front of anything, it's not perfect. <laughs> exactly. After our last talk, our last episode, watching the episode, I could really see the difference in professionalism after we had talked about it like them being just such novices in the field mm -hmm. it was just, it was more apparent to me watching this episode after we had discussed it in terms of like how well they can solve the case yeah oh yeah this they actually win this one <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna say they do it well or quickly or with any like aplomb but they did it and they they, and a lot of people had to die before they could get to the Wendigo, but, you know, <laughs> they improved. <laughs> so it's no surprise to hear that they spent a week in Palo Alto looking for clues to what killed Jess, and they found nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> Dean assumes that this has to be connected to why John isn't around, and he would be right. They wonder why John is sending them to the middle of nowhere. Um, they go up to, like, this National Park office, blah blah and they try to pose as UC Boulder students, just trying to get the lay of the land that they're about to go into. But the ranger's like, you aren't college students. You're friends with that Haley girl looking for her brother. And 
Dean is pretty slow here, but again, they're babies, they're learning. And he's like, yes, we totally are friends with Haley. Well, I love the look on his face when he, like, decides to just go with it. <laughs> they, they're, it's, they're really overacting the, yes, I will play along with this. <laughs> Assumption you've presented me with. Yes. And this might be the first time we see Dean use, like, a pretend connection to get more information. Legitimately-ish. Mm-hmm. I guess. Sam's being all like, well, he's trying to be all badass. You know, he's more emo. He's really upset. He's like, why do you even need that information? You're just trying to get a hookup when we should be focusing on finding dad. Because really, when you think about it, they don't need this info on the missing brother. He's just a random missing persons case. Why would they be involved, right? Right. Like, why? It's almost like Dean is looking for a case in this area. Oh, yeah. Dean is more focused on... The case, and but, Sam is more focused on finding Dad. Sam doesn't care at all about these missing people. But Hannah. At this point. At this point, they don't know that there is a case. They just know that this is where their, well, they think they know that this is where their dad's supposed to be. So, if they're just looking to find their father, they don't think there's a case there. Why is Dean looking for a case? I propose the theory that Dean knows that John isn't there. I think he knows that John is just sending them on cases. Ah, because when uh, John is sending Dean on solo hunts, maybe that's how he did it. Was like, hey, go here, do this. Oh, no, no, no. John definitely left itemized lists. <laughs> <laughs> that has been established. <laughs> but, but I was thinking, like, maybe... They did have enough of a code, not enough of a code that Dean could ever find him if he wanted to go missing. Right. But enough of a code that Dean knows he's not going to be here. Maybe he, knowing John, knows well enough, like, okay, we went to this last place. He wasn't there. There was an unfinished case. Now there's a second location. He's not going to be there, but there's going to be a case. And so he's looking for that and not telling Sam in order to keep Sam going along oh yeah definitely yeah so somehow dean talks sam into going along to talk to this sister and again imdb came in and pointed out an error when sam and dean go up and knock on Haley's door dean says hi i'm dean and this is sam we're from the ranger's office blah 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 and she wants to see their ID, and they do a close-up of the ID, and the ID Dean holds up has Dean's face on it, and says, Samuel Cole. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so. Well, that kind of messes up my notes, because I put Haley is smart. Nope. Haley be dumb. Or may maybe Haley is smart, and she realizes something is up, and she still just lets these two random guys in, because she's so desperate to find her brother. I mean, possibly. She has good taste in cars, too, because she was like, is that your car? Yeah. That could have been her marking the car so that later something happened, she could report the car to the police. Haley's smart. Like, I have Haley is smart three times in my notes. <laughs> I like her. She's observant. I would give her that. I would say, though, if I think my brother has gone missing in the woods and I see two random guys like, oh, hey, we're here to look for your brother. I would think these are the two guys who killed my brother and now they're coming for me and my other brother. Um, <laughs> <fuck no. laughs> 
So Dean has the hots for Haley, typical, or he claims to have the hots for Haley. We learn that Tommy uses a satellite phone to check in every day, and Haley says that she's also going to go hunt for her brother next day, and she agrees to send Sam the videos and pics that Tommy sent them every day. Like, I'm, I'm honestly, like, I know that they're only in one episode, this family. Well, anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I want to know is, I feel like they went through something that makes them keep such close tabs on each other. And I want to know what happened. You're so right. I can't believe I never questioned that. They're kind of sketchy, like... We check in with each other every day, and they were like, well, you know, maybe he just forgot to check in. And how defensive the younger brother gets when he's like, he wouldn't do that. I feel like something happened to them. Well, you also see that she's playing more of like a mother role. Like she's cooking and she's paying for this hunter guy to accompany them in the woods. Like... She is the leader of this family Yeah, in a way that you wouldn't if you hadn't suffered some sort of tragedy early-ish in your life. Absolutely. I wonder why, like, there was time to go into that. There was a lot of just waste of time in the woods. They could have addressed (laughs) what their story is. But I do have to say that in a show that's about siblings and their struggle to deal with a tragedy... It felt very natural to have this family be a group of siblings who are struggling after a tragedy. Yeah. So much so that I didn't even question it. I just would have liked to know more about them. Like, that felt like something that I wanted to know. They kind of just alluded to it, but didn't mention it. Especially since there doesn't appear to be that great of an age difference between Haley and Tommy. Yeah. Wish they could tell us who they are. At the local bar, Sam has a laptop. Oh my gosh, we're getting hot tech. <laughs> and I wonder how he paid for it. Hmm. Uh, Stanford scholarships? Maybe? Okay, good point. What part-time job did Sam work at Stanford? That is a good question. Because scholarships only pay for so much. I bet he worked the drive through can you just picture him in his little, like, McDonald's uniform? I hope he wore a visor. (laughs) You know he did. (laughs) Either that or, like, he worked on campus in the local library helping people navigate the first ten computers in the the library. That would explain, like, his future hacking skills-ish, maybe. Or like when he played the character Dean in Gilmore Girls, he worked at a grocery store. I guess I could see Sam bagging. And by he, I mean Jared Padalecki, who also plays Sam. Because Sam and Jared are two different. (laughs) Yes, yes. We're with you, Hannah. Don't worry. (laughs) Moving on. So, at the bar, Sam with his laptop points out how every 23 years, people go missing around Blackwater Ridge, which is the place they're at. One person did survive this supposed grizzly attack. Oh, and using his laptop, he plays one of the videos that Haley sent over, and you can see in three frames a shadowy figure dart past Tommy's Which you could see on his face when they were at the house with Haley and her family. He caught that little flicker on the video, and I don't know how he spotted that, because as many times as I've seen this episode, I didn't catch a flicker. Until he did the three 
three frames thing. And I was like, how did he notice that? Um, because Hannah, I don't know if you know this, Sam is like super, super smart. Well, he's like supernaturally smart. Um, I think we'll find out later. He is in fact supernatural. <laughs> uh, that that demon effect blood affects more than just your telekinesis. It also affects your teleka eyes. Yeah, that's how we got and into your Stanford. Teleka nose. <laughs> <laughs> he cheated. He used demon blood to get into Stanford. <laughs> Little did he know how much the yellow eye demon affected his whole life. <laughs> um, they go and interview that. One survivor that they were able to find. And the key that they learn with this survivor is that, well, two keys, really. He couldn't see the monster, but he could hear it. And it got inside their cabin by unlocking the door. And I just want to say that actor has a really great voice for telling tales. It moved too fast to see. It'd do well. I heard it, though. A roar. He really does. Especially fit that he was, it almost looked like he was in a cabin. Because mm-hmm. the apartment he was in was so rickety looking and darkly lit. And he's just sitting in this armchair in the shadows. And I mean, who has company with, like, with all the lights off? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you this scary tale. Let me turn the lights down low so you'll get really spooked. You know the reason why he keeps the lights down low. It's because he has not cleaned that apartment in, like, a year. <laughs> he's, he's still like, traumatized, gonna... Kendall. Give him some slack. <laughs> We're just going to turn this lamp off and this lamp off, and maybe you won't notice the pile of takeout boxes <laughs> that I just can't bring myself to throw away because, come on, I'm dealing with trauma, and it is a success <laughs> when I get up and get dressed in the day. And we shouldn't laugh at that because there are days where I'm like, you know what? I fucking got up and I got dressed. Go me. (laughs) Don't stop. I have rocked today. Don't fuck with me. I got dressed. We also see that the monster law, blah, 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 blah. The monster left for claw mark scars on this survivor. Which, I don't, he was a baby when this guy attacked him. I don't know how scars... Do scars grow with you as you get older? They can, yeah. Because these were still, like, four raised, large... I think they did well, bad, I mean, bad makeup think art of it there. like a tattoo, because a tattoo is just a scar with ink. And, like, say you get a tattoo on your tummy, you know, when you're really slim, and then you get bigger, and then your tattoo stretches out, and then you get smaller again, and then your tattoo's all wonky. Exactly. I'm saying that the scar would have, the tissue would have stretched. He had raised scars, right? right? Yeah. I'm just saying they did not do realistic makeup. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. If it had happened when he was a kid, it would have been more of a faded scar. Yes, those were fresh two-year-old scars. It wasn't realistic, Hannah. I'm looking for realism in my supernatural show. (laughs) God. Why don't they do their fucking research? I actually did... I couldn't read the whole meta, but like I skimmed through this meta about how this person wished they put more research into regional accents. Because while they filmed this whole thing in Canada as of this episode, last episode they filmed in LA, you can tell the difference. It's a lot more woodsy up in the <laughs> Canadian land. They, even though it's filmed all in Canada, they supposedly visit a lot of right. the US. 
They stay away from certain regions because Canada just can't pull off certain regions of the states. But apparently they do go around. And this person who is a linguist or a mouth person in general... (laughs) A mouth person? ...was saying, like, I wish they had a linguist and accent coach on staff so that when you're in Minnesota, you can actually have, like, the Minnesota accent. Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh. Oh, Minnesota. And when you're in Oregon, you can have, like, the more regional accents. Yeah, that's a good point. And was, like, really mad at the show for not taking the time it would take (laughs) to make it that level of authentic. (laughs) And I was like, you know, that would be cool. However, I'm not surprised because I never once gave a thought to the fact that everybody had an American accent (laughs) and I was cool with it. Leaving this guy's apartment, Sam shows off how smart he is by using the word corporeal. Smart words. Which is actually a really great word to use for this monster, because now they're saying, okay, it's not a spirit, it has a body. So the words you would use are, it's tangible, it's corporeal, it bleeds so we can kill it. And Dean is being a bit of a dick about it, because I guess he feels threatened by Sam's college education. I mean, I'm a little threatened by your college education. College education (laughs) ain't worth jack. You're better off getting a two-year degree in something technical and going into, like, an actual real-life job that actually fucking matters. (laughs) Dean suggests two options for their monster. One is a skinwalker. Cool. Yeah, fine. We meet those later on this season. And a black dog. Yes. Hannah. I know we meet demon dogs, who are demon hounds, who are the lackeys of the Crossroads demons later later on. Mm -hmm. Do we ever meet a black dog? And I don't mean like a regular old black dog that you want to pet and give kisses to. I mean like what what the fuck is Dean talking about? Like, well, black dog. They're they're like hellhounds because the episode where we learn about hellhounds, um, they make reference to the guitar player that sold his soul to be able to play guitar, and right, he has written about black dogs in his songs. So I think black dogs are just another version of hellhound. But the whole point is that the black dogs are the hellhounds. Yes. Even when you talk about the Grim, the Grim is a vision of death. Yes. I.e. hellhounds because they come to kill you. So in this episode, we're just to believe that Dean knows about black dogs in a way that he would actually offer it up as a possibility as the monster they're going to fight. But then later seasons be like, hellhounds? They exist? Burr? Burr? <laughs> <laughs> It made me really mad. I was like, how do you just, like, bring up black... You bring up Skinwalker and you bring up black dogs. Later on this season, you bring up Skinwalkers, and then you just say, oh, yeah, we're just gonna conveniently forget that black dog... He brings up black dogs twice in this episode. Hannah, he mentions black dogs as an option twice. Well, I think maybe black dog is the the common everyday version. Like, if you don't really know what it is, you're like, oh, it was just a black dog. But when they actually learn about hellhounds that's when it's made reference to the songs that the guy talks about about black dogs and he was talking about hellhounds but he didn't know what hellhounds were so i think you are scrambling and are wrong and i think this was a fuck up on the writer's part but we will table (laughs) this until the first crossroads episode and we'll see we'll, we'll just keep an ear out and an eye out for black dogs and supernatural Fine. I think this is bullshit. 
They prepare to go accompany Haley, and Sam is all angsty and wah, 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 because they're not going after their dad. They're babysitting civilians. Finding dad's not enough. Now we gotta babysit too? Continuing to be his like, ooh, badass, I'm gonna shoot first and ask later, as Dean says it. And Dean gives him this look of, when the fuck did you stop caring about people? Yeah. That I really loved. And it's like, well, my girlfriend died, so I don't care about anyone anymore. I mean, for real, if my wife died, I'd be like, alright, fuck everybody else. Like, (laughs) none of y'all matter anymore. (laughs) She was the best, alright? Yeah. And Jess was the best. We have to admit, neither of them ever dates Well, I mean, that's why she had to die, because she was too perfect. (sighs) God, I wish they could have just given us a, a season with her, where she, like, discovered all this shit alongside them and we learned about hunting through them explaining shit to her and not explaining shit to each other and it was at the end of the first season that she died and then it would hit us and we'd be like no Jess you were the best yeah that would have been really cool and then later in season 14 she could have come back sorry 13 12 whatever season mommy came back in I'm just gonna start rewriting Supernatural from here on out (laughs) (laughs) People do that. (sighs) That's what fanfic is for, I know. (laughs) So we come across Haley and the hunter she has hired to lead them through the forest. And he's like, Ben would be safer at home. I'm like, yes, he would be safer at home. And honestly, if this were like a season eight episode, I would totally think that Ben was the bad guy. This poor actor, man-child, he looks like he's evil. Roy the Hunter? No, not Roy the Hunter. Ben the younger brother. Really? You would have thought he was evil? I would have thought that he was some sort of being controlled by a demon or had some sort of psychic abilities or something. That he was communing with the necromancer or... <laughs> I would have thought he was the bad guy. And I'm like, yes, leave his ass at home. He's a bad guy. <laughs> The Winchesters show up, and she's like, these are the quote-unquote rangers, and she's not buying it. Like you said, she's smart enough to be like, You didn't pack any provisions. You guys are carrying a duffel bag. You're not rangers, so who the hell are you? Why don't you have camping gear? Why don't you have water? Why don't you have food? Why don't you have a tent? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> You're gonna go hiking in biker boots and jeans? And Dean's like, Oh, sweetheart, I don't do shorts. Which is a lie. Because of the dodgeball episode. Oh, the famous dodgeball episode. So many good episodes to get to. (laughs) And by the way, I would think biker boots would actually be great for the forest. I'm just saying. Yeah, biker boots would be fine. Great support, steel-toed. They got good tread. Perfecto. If it's good to protect your feet against highway accidents, I think they're good for going through the woods. Yes. Uh, We cut to a quick shot of the boys who are still alive in the mining shaft. And the Wendigo decides it's going to eat the remaining boyfriend and leave Tony alone for now. And Tony's like, that is fine by me. Please, Tony. His name was Tommy, Kendall. Did I call him Tony? Yeah. God, he looks like Tony. I've been trying so hard not to call him Tony. All right. (laughs) Tommy is very happy to not be eaten today. Uh, we're hiking, Roy's in the lead, and Dean's like, 
Oh, you're a hunter, huh? I bet you hunt baby things in the forest that just like to run away from you. Blah, blah. And Roy is actually very good-natured about this. Because <laughs> I probably would have let Dean step into the bear trap just to prove my point. <laughs> but he does keep Dean from stepping into a bear trap. and Oh, well... Like, maybe he was good-natured about it, but also, if Dean had gotten his leg trapped in a bear trap, he would have been a liability to the mission. What mission? At this point, to Roy To go just... and find Tommy. Why do you as Tommy care about if Roy lets Dean step into a bear trap or not? No, I'm saying Roy cares whether one in their party has been handicapped. I feel like Roy would be perfectly happy to just go out on his own and find Tommy and bring Tommy back to Haley. Right, but if these people are going along with him anyway, you would want them all to be able to keep up. And if you get your leg caught in a bear trap, then you're a liability. You're hurt. Okay, so Roy is a better hunter than I am. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Roy did not let Dean step into the bear trap. I'm just saying, me and my petty ass bitch, I'm like, I'm like, fine, go fucking step in a bear trap, see if I care. Like, <laughs> uh, Haley and Dean chit chat, and Dean's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not here to be a ranger. I am here to save my own father, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, this is the most honest I've been with a woman ever. Which is a lie. Which it's probably a lie. But then I'm also, again, I'm just like, dude, you so bi. Well, I mean, if you think of the monster truck episode with Cassie, he was totally honest with Cassie and she bugged out about it. So he was honest with somebody before Haley is all I'm saying. Okay, I'm also saying that this still leaves the possibility of him being dishonest with guys. True. True. And he did bring food. He brought peanut M&Ms, which, according to our mother, is a very viable emergency pack food. I mean, they're good. Well, the few times I got care packages care packages from mom, she would always include peanut M&Ms because she didn't feel as guilty sending me sweets because they had peanuts, so they were somewhat healthy. <laughs> I love our mom. <laughs> mother of the Year Award every time. Every time. They arrive at the coordinates that their dad had left them last episode, and it's super quiet. Supernaturally quiet. Not even crickets. Not even crickets. Cue cricket noises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they find Tommy's camp, and Roy's like, yep, it's a grizzly. And, uh, such bad shots of the camp to, like, some hilariously overdramatic music. It would be a general shot of the tent and close up on some blood. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Looks like a grizzly. They really gotta set the mood, you know? This is high stakes. We weren't scared enough in this quiet forest. Now we gotta be having close ups of blood with loud dun dun dungs in our ear. <laughs> Oh, at one point, Dean notices the that the bodies were dragged away from the camp. And when Sam walks up behind him, he's just clomping through. He stepped on some sticks. You heard the snap of the stick. And I'm just like, you know, for people who are looking for a trail, Sam is, you know, awfully blasé about keeping the trail intact. If there was any more of the trail, like, you just messed it up. To be fair, this is their second case ever in their <laughs> whole entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have done forgotten everything Bobby taught them. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, and this is the point where Dean's like, well, it's definitely not a skinwalker or a black dog. <laughs> Haley finds a blackberry with some ketchup on it, and she's super emo. And <laughs> it always bothers me when I see blood in TV shows, and they're like, it's going to be bright red, so people notice it, and it's dramatic. You've never seen blood in real life. Um, no, for a second, uh, when you said blackberry... <laughs> She thought she found like a bush of blackberries and they were just drizzled in ketchup. Yes! <laughs> that is what I pictured, and I'm like, why is she having blackberries with ketchup? That is gross. I mean, it's gross to us, but there are some bizarre <laughs> treats out there that people enjoy. Oh. <laughs> Dean's comforting Haley, like, oh, your de- brother's defo alive, don't worry. When they hear somebody yelling, help, in the distance. Which really, I mean, with all the blood and mayhem in the camp, I wouldn't have a whole lot of hope left. I'm just saying. I mean, fair, but they ended up having a reason to have hope left because he wasn't alive in the end. Oops, spoilers. He was the only one. True. What are the chances? (laughs) Which, ah, we do need to talk about. Apparently the Wendigo keeps its people alive because it feeds only once every 23 years and for a creature that likes to keep its food you know pace itself it has eaten two humans in a week i just feel like that's a really really fast pace because you gotta think of how much meat a single human contains like can you imagine eating half a cow in the span of a week no granted we are eating grains and vegetables in addition Still. Well, like, I think the Windows, Windigo's, metab- <laughs> the Windows, <laughs> the Windows metabolism, um, I think of it roughly like a snake, except a little more long term, because snakes can go, you know, months without eating if they had a large meal. Okay, fair. So I figure, you know, a bigger creature like a Wendigo eat a few people, you know, every 23 years. And maybe space it out in that span of a week okay, or so. Okay, here's my counterpoint. Here's my counterpoint. A tiger will eat, like, a big meal, and then will sleep for, like, five days. And I don't know about you, but, like, after a big meal, I'm very sleepy. And the human stomach can only handle oh so much. And now Wendigos are no longer classified as humans, but they were formerly human. They have human bodies-ish. So it was stand a reason that... Their stomach could only handle so much. So let's say the stomach can handle a supernatural amount. And it can eat the majority of a human. Not the whole human, but the majority of the humans. I don't think you could fit a whole other human inside another human being. I don't think it's possible. Mm. So let's say you can put half the human inside the Wendigo. And then it's going to sleep for like three days at least. Okay, so okay, so then you would say every six days probably needs a new human to eat. This is some fucked up math we're doing. (laughs) I'm really hoping the people in the hotel room next to me aren't, like, listening and calling the cops, like, fuck, she's talking about eating humans. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Well, then you think, you know, it's probably not eating the bones, so if you think, like, just muscle and organ. I wonder if they eat the brain, or if they're just, anyway. (laughs) I bet human brain's pretty tasty, as far as brains go. Yeah. I think I only had brains once, because you can Well, I'm told human tastes like veal. Right. Or like pig. And doesn't mom make like the scrambled eggs and pig brains? Is that what it was? I mean, people do that. I don't know that our mother does. No, she definitely did. 
or at least I didn't need our it. grandfather did, and she had like some bra- scrambled brains and eggs, and I had a bite, and it was actually kind of yummy, and I didn't find out till later it was brains and eggs, and I was like, oh, I ate brains? Well, it wasn't so bad, so okay. <laughs> and she's like, mm, I love these brains and eggs, um, nom 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 nom. Uh, I'm like, cool, mom. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, this podcast is teaching the world more about our mother than it is about us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, love you, mom. Love you, mom. She's going to have to listen to this podcast. Two of her children are on them. I almost said two of her daughters. I'm like, well, mm, bad math. <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, she doesn't have any more. I mean, and as far as she has two daughters, and two of her daughters are on this podcast, so I'm not wrong. I mean, that's all of us. All right, so when they hear help, they run out to see who's crawling for help. And when they get there, there's nobody there. And I believe Sam is the one who's like, Oh, this was a trick. Let's go back. And sure enough, they get back there and all their packs are gone. So really, Dean and Sam were smart to not even bother packing anything. Yeah, because it just would have been taken. Exactly. So in private, Sam asks to look at John's journal and they figure out that it is in fact a Wendigo, even though according to Dean, it should not be out this far west, out in Colorado. Which, I mean, weren't there, I guess, like they tie it to... American Indian lore, and American Indians were all over the Americas. So why wouldn't the lore be this far west? And with that, I would like to enter our new official, the real story behind the myth. Yeah, 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 I mentioned that in my notes because I'm curious. Um, Also, there are Wendigos in Charmed. Well, it's because Wendigos are a, again, not in real life, they're, they're cryptid that is considered to exist IRL. It comes from the Algonquin people. They believe it was a man-eating monster slash an evil spirit that is native to the North Atlantic or Great Lakes area. Hmm. So it really is supposed to be like that North Middle... Around the Great Lakes, pretty much. So you're more likely to come across a Wendigo in Minnesota than you are in California. It is considered to be a monster that has cumin. <clears throat> not cumin. cumin. <laughs> that would be delicious. This monster just stalks cumin. Because, you know, humans, they can taste a bit gamey. So we're just <laughs> going to throw some spices in there. Anything tastes better with cumin, trust us. Um, It's a monster that has human characteristics, or it's a spirit that inhabits a human, therefore making them monstrous. There's just conflicting reports. So, regardless, you have an evil thing that kind of looks like a human. Now, in modern day, psychiatrists do refer to a state of mind called Wendigo psychosis that they use to describe symptoms and they said this is culture related symptoms so i guess if you within your culture are i I don't know what that necessarily means specifically but symptoms of an intense craving for human flesh and or a fear of craving human flesh Hmm. so i guess depending on your culture if you are like dude i just really want to eat some man flesh right now or maybe another culture like i'm just afraid of how much i want to eat that thigh over there in that way, Hannibal would be a Wendigo. 
Exactly. And in some indigenous groups, and I really love this, they also use the word Wendigo psychosis. Only in among the Native Americans, Wendigo psychosis applies to a greed for... Or sorry, it applies to greed in general, and it applies to environmental destruction. Mm, the white man. So, exactly, the white man eating up that land. Which, to be fair, what a better way to, like, eat up and destroy ourselves than to eat up and destroy our environment. Yeah. So, I think they got it right. And I got all this information from Wikipedia. Friends, listening, I am not going to spend hours <laughs> researching all of this. It, it it probably is very well worth my time, but if you add in the hours it takes me to edit all of this together, <laughs> uh, no. Maybe Hannah. Hannah, if you feel like doing extra research, go into it. But for now, Wikipedia is good enough for me. And thus concludes our real-life mythical shit section. <laughs> our lore comparative. No, I want to call it the real-life mythical shit section. <laughs> okay. Knowing now that it's a Wendigo, their weapons are useless, so Sam wants to evacuate. Roy and Sam face off, and Sam takes, like, the soulless act. We never should have let you come out here in the first place, all right? I'm trying to protect you. You protect me. It's a damn near perfect hunter. It's smarter than you. And it's going to hunt you down and eat you alive unless we get your stupid sorry ass out of here. <laughs> Have you ever fought a wo- and he's cut off by Dean Haley intervening. Yeah, just gonna blast it. I just thought this was a great flash, uh, no, not flash forward, but a um, foreshadowing of when Sam is soulless. Yeah. Because you could argue in this instance, he is not Sam. He is running on autopilot. He is soulless. Yeah, because it's like Jess was such a big thing to him, which, I mean, duh, he loved her. And having that part of him missing, yeah, he's he's off. For a while. Seriously. Ugh, I love when they show, like, he spots her ghost here and there. It's only the one. Oh. She was the love of his life. I maintain that, and I wish they had done more with that instead of less. Anyways, <laughs> they decide to camp it out. Nobody's leaving, because you would literally have to kill Haley to get her to leave the forest at this point. Mm -hmm. So Dean sets up a protection circle using what he calls Anasazi symbols. Now, I did take time to look up Anasazi. Good. Because one, at first I thought he was saying Anansi, and Anansi is a god slash spirit. I'm not educated enough to know. I just know the Anansi stories out of the general continent of Africa. I'm not sure where in Africa it originates from. But it wasn't Anansi. It was Anasazi, which is the indigenous group to the southwest of America. Okay. So like the Pueblo dwellers. And again, I just thought this was lazy writing because like you said, Native Americans were everywhere. However, this Wendigo in the Northwest. Right. Or Northeast, sorry, can't cross symbols that originate with a group that lives in the Southwest. So like, wouldn't you use the protective symbols for the thing instead of for the culture? Or at least would you not use the protective symbols of the indigenous group that lives in the Northeast. Right. Yeah. And again, this is where the boys only did a half good job in this episode. They know it's a Wendigo, but they never had a chance to figure out 
who this particular Wendigo is. Right. They just, you know, went after the monster and not the story. Exactly. And I think the story behind the particulars of this Wendigo would have added more depth. Yeah, like, why is there a Wendigo in this region? Exactly. All right, so at this point, the brothers are having their heart-to-heart, and this is kind of the crux of where Sam is really like, you know, this is not the point of our mission. We're here to find Dad. If Dad is not here... Then what are we even doing? Fuck these people. Let's go find Dad. Tell you the truth, I don't think Dad's ever been to Lost Creek. Then let's get these people back to town, and let's hit the road. Go find Dad. I mean, why are we still even here? And the symbolism in the shots of this scene were really revealing, I thought. Because Dean brings out their dad's journal, and he places his hand on top of the journal. Like a like Bible. You would, yes, like if you were swearing on a Bible. And then Dean reveals John's plan. Yes. It really tr- shows how Dean regards their father in a very, I would say, like, unhealthy kind of way. Reoccurring theme here. Reoccurring theme? We'll have to talk about that I, later. I really love the family business speech, and not just because it's such a big part of the show, but I love it because of Dean, and while he's making this speech, his head is kind of bobbing side to side, and I just, I can't get enough of it. And, like, every time they have it in the recap, I just, like, bob my head to the side with them. <laughs> I think he wants us to pick up where he left off. You know, saving people, hunting things, the family business. They edit it to do that for whatever reason, I don't know. Because when he's actually making the speech, his head doesn't bob quite so, like, here and there, but not continuously for the whole sentence. Dean reveals that he knows that they're not there to find John. They're there to save the people that John can't while John is out searching for the Yellow Eyed Demon. And Sam kind of roundabout points out that John's doing a bad plan <laughs> with all like John's doing a bad job with all of this because wouldn't it be better if John would just call them and say hey I have a lead on this but all these other people are hurting so while I trace down this lead and see if it's real or not why don't you handle all these people who need help while I'm doing because this? nobody likes to communicate in the Winchester family Ugh, it's like a disease and I really did like Sam's question of how do you do it? Because the first couple times I watched this episode, I always hated that line. I didn't get where it was coming from. But I finally understood this time where Dean's saying you can't just carry this anger forever. Eventually it'll make you sick, right? Mm -hmm. This is not a quick one, two, three, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of journey we're on. Because the same thing that killed Jess is what killed their mother. And Mm -hmm. obviously they weren't able to find it in all of Sam's life, so what makes Sam think now that they're going to find it, right? Right. It, it, it's a long-term thing. Right. It's, you can't stay so wired, you know, that you mess up everything that you do. Exactly. Sam's question of how do you do this, I think for the first time made me realize that Sam acknowledges that the pain he's feeling at Jess's loss is the pain that John feels at his loss. Yeah, he understands why John is the way he is more so now than he ever has. Exactly, for the first time. Exactly. I said for the first time, I think I really appreciated the scene. I don't think it really helps Sam understand John very well, because you can still argue that John did mess up a lot of things in his life because mm-hmm. he was so focused on his rage and his one mission. And I think it helps that Sam has Dean there, who Sam hasn't lost the love of his life, 
he did lose his mother, but he was so young. How well does he really remember that mother? Right. So Sam has Dean there to balance him in a way that Dean could never balance John because the power dynamics are so different. Yeah, John didn't really have a Dean in his life. As far as I can tell, like, once he lost his wife, he just took off on the road and didn't really lean on anybody. He could have had Bobby. Now, I'm interested to talk about his relationship with Bobby once we get to those Bobby episodes, because... I feel like there's a lot in those Bobby flashbacks that we don't really get to dig into in the show as a whole. Anyways, neither here nor there. This heart-to-heart is concluded when they hear another help me, but now they know it's a mimic. Roy shoots at it, he gets a hit, and he's like, oop, I've hit it, I'm a hunter, I know what to do now. I leave the magic circle and go hunt it down. And Haley was smart enough to stay in the magic circle. To be fair, Dean and Sam told her to stay put in the magic circle, and she has no weapons with which to hunt a Wendigo, so... (laughs) I don't know if it's so much smart as it is like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I feel pretty... I don't know what else I would do. (laughs) Yeah. They quickly lose sight of Roy, I guess, and stop searching for him. They're like, yep, fuck him, he's dead. Let's go back to our magic circle. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's daylight, and Dean is... Trying to get shit done. He's prepping everything. He talks to Haley and she's like, how do you do this? And he's like, yeah, it runs in the family. Which, mm, I want to talk about this. Yeah, I want to say something too, but you go first. Okay, so when he's telling her all about the Wendigo, right? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, how do you know about all this? And he's like, well, it runs in the family. I feel like... That line is a little misleading because, on the one hand, we know that when he says it runs in the family, he means knowing about things runs in the family. But on an outsider point of view, to her ears, it could be taken as, I know so much about Wendigos because my family is Wendigos. <laughs> You're so right. How did she not just be like, So, I'm going to go stand over here. (laughs) Although, to be fair, he's inside the protective circle, so... But for all she knows, that could all be bullshit. Right. Okay, I'm thinking that Haley's not as smart as you've been giving her credit for. (laughs) (laughs) That line gave me feels, though, because we had just talked in the very first episode about how the whole story starts with their family is hurt, and so... While they're looking for justice for their family, they're also getting justice for other families. Mm-hmm. And so for him to say it runs in our family, how important it is to him that he's in a family helping another family. And I just, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Sam comes in. He's coming back. He went off and had like an emo moment by himself, <laughs> looking at the journal, having thoughts and feelings. As you do. And he comes back and he says... I don't know about you guys, but I want to kill this son of a bitch. And it makes it makes Dean really happy because that means to Dean that Sam is somewhat coping. Maybe not in a healthy way, but coping in the way that Dean is teaching him to cope. Yeah. You know, they get by by helping as many people as they can and killing as much evil in the world as they can. So Sam and Dean give the lowdown on the Wendigo. And what they tell is pretty much in line with what we talk about in the real world. That it's people in the past, whether it be natives or, like, frontier people, just people who lived out in the middle of nowhere. Or people like the Donner Party. Like the Donner Party. It's not really fair to say this of Native Americans. Like, 
Indians lived in big groups. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the lore is it's somebody who, for whatever reason, is kind of out and about and alone. But not so alone that there's not another person there that they can eat upon. (laughs) Somebody, some group is stranded for whatever reason, be it winter or isolation. They get mad hungry and they result to eating the people around them and they become cannibals. You know, like you do. Like literally you do when you are literally starving. Anyways, but apparently when you eat another human being, if you do it enough, you get powers. (laughs) From eating humans. Which, it makes me wonder, like, do mama rats become, like, super rats by eating the rat babies? (laughs) Well, it's like, one thing I've heard on it is you take on the attribute of the person that you're eating. So you are what you eat. So if the person is really smart and you eat their brain, then... You become more intelligent. If the person is really strong and and you eat their muscle, you become stronger. You you take on their attribute. And so if you're eating all kinds of people, then you're gaining all kinds of attributes. Stop! (laughs) There's a whole future Supernatural episode about that, isn't there? Well, you got the guy who's stealing organs. Yeah, but there's a whole future episode about the guy who eats the Oh, shit right, 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 because he wanted to eat Sam and there was something off about him, yeah. Yes, exactly. Why wasn't he a Wendigo? Why have they never faced another Wendigo again in this whole series? I mean, he was kind of like a Wendigo, but he wasn't, he hadn't been doing it very long. So it was more Fair. of the instantaneous effect and not the whole wastrel body of a thing that's been doing this a long time. (laughs) So a Wendigo is kind of like you are literally what you eat. And if you eat humans, you become even more human. Which which explains why whenever I eat bacon, I want to go take a mud bath. Right? (laughs) No. No, because the, the downside of eating humans is you lose more and more of your soul. Because that's why they are monsters. So Supernatural presupposes that animals are soulless, and that's why it's okay to eat animals. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't tease you. I know. I'm sorry. I'm used to it. (laughs) Because I'm awful. (laughs) I'm an awful person as a sister. (sighs) Okay, um... Man, we've gotten more sidetracked in this episode than we ever have in our whole two-episode series. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we learn now that the only way to kill it is with fire, and Dean makes a Molotov cocktail, and that is their entire flame budget. (laughs) Kill it with fire. We got a torch to sucker. At this point, I did begin to wonder... Why didn't, like, why is it just Haley out here? Like, Tommy is not the only person missing. Gary and Brad are out there, too. Nobody cares about Gary and Brad, apparently. Well, I was thinking about it, and all I could think was... I mean, she's the most worried because she keeps close tabs on her family. Because, like the ranger said, that they had filled out forms saying how long that they would be up in the mountains. And so since that allotted time hadn't passed yet, no one was looking for them. Fair, but I feel like she would have reached out and been like... Hey, have you heard from Gary and Brad? Yeah, because Tommy usually checks in every day, and he hasn't checked in for like three days now, and I'm really worried. Are you guys worried too? That is a very good point. And there is not a mama out there in the world who would not get that sort of message and immediately be like, well, I wasn't before, but now I am. 
<laughs> Which makes me think that these two gabies were runaways. Aww. And that's why they were really fr- close friends with Tommy, because they were all, like, dealing with different traumas. And maybe they were, like, supporting each other. And this was, like, a camping trip for them to, like, deal with shit. I don't know. I started to headcanon and have a lot of feels. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're tracking the Wendigo, and Sam points out, Jeez. It's, like, it's really bad, angry acting. He's like, it's almost too obvious. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking that those claw prints were so clear and distinct. (sighs) They were almost too easy to follow. They spot the Wendigo. It's... It's terrible. Really, it's just a flash, and then the corpse of Roy falls down on top of them, and they all start running, because it's a horror flick. Haley and Dean get separated because Ben is a very bad runner. (laughs) Sorry, Haley and Dean get separated from Sam and Ben because Ben's a bad runner. And Sam and Ben are all alone. What? Whoa. But thankfully, Dean pulled a Hensel and Gretel. He did, and he used those peanut M&Ms. Peanut M&Ms are so useful, like in more than one way. (laughs) I do have to point out, though, Ben is a better tracker than Sammy. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Because Ben's the one who finds the M&M trail, and it's like, way to go, Sammy. Like <laughs> They went this way. Really. They track them to an old mine shaft, and it's a rickety old place, and they fall through the floor, but luckily the place where they fell through the floor is exactly where their siblings were being kept. Well, actually, Kindle, if you think about it, your whole Ben being evil thing, you know, could probably tie into that, because... Like, he led them. He led them. To where the Wendigo was. Oh, he's in cahoots with the Wendigo. Yeah. He secretly <sighs> hated his brother. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't want Haley to die, so he wanted to lead Sam there to be like, Hey, let me take Haley and you can have this hulking mammoth for your meal <laughs> instead of my sister. Yeah. So our headcanons are Gary and Brad are gay and Ben is evil. Absolutely. It, it all makes sense. It meshes. We have solved this episode. <laughs> Everybody's alive except for the boyfriends because, of course, the gays die first. Of course. Of course. And Tommy is shockingly alive, although his arms must be dead by now. Oh, yeah. They, they're probably, like, out of socket hanging for that long. Well, you know, here's what I was thinking, though. Doesn't, because we see, we don't see it with Tommy, but with Dean and, what's her face? Haley. When we see them hanging, we can clearly see that their feet are off the ground. So they're just hanging by their arms. Mm-hmm. And they should have suffocated, right? I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that this Wendigo does not realize what is up. <laughs> that he was suffocating his prisoners. Or, sorry, prisoners. He was suffocating his groceries. (laughs) (laughs) My rutabagas, I can't breathe. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Conveniently, the Wendigo just keeps flare guns in his pantry. You know. (laughs) You know, like you do. I typically keep, you know, rat poison right alongside my own food. Makes yeah. total sense. Deadly nightshade. <laughs> yes, I keep my nightshade right next to my basil. Just, you know, I like, 
I like to live dangerously like a Wendigo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They can't make it out fast because, you know, Tommy has not eaten in a week at least. They say the Wendigo keeps his food alive, so I guess he gives his food water to live. I mean, that's what I wondered. Like, in order to keep someone alive, you have to, like, provide it with sustenance. So, I'm like, how long can you keep someone alive when you're just going to kill them? Here's the thing, though. If you, for all intents and purposes, a Wendigo is a rancher, right? Right. So, you want to make sure your cattle are fat and healthy because that gives you great big hunks of meat. It gives you marbling. He should be feasting (sighs) his prey here. Not hanging them up like so much jerky to dry out. Like, okay, that would be a great plan if he was actually thinking... He's not a gourmet, he's a gourmet. This would be a great plan if he was actually thinking, alright, Tommy is going to last me for the next 23 years, just for like my midnight sacks when I wake up during hibernation. But that's not what we've presented. He's done cleared off two humans in a week, and Tommy is next. Mm-hmm. So he should be like the future Santa Claus episode, where it's like, yes, please, eat up everything so that I can have a nice fat meal. Like, I want to eat a fat person, not a skinny person. Oh, this brings in the Hensel and Gretel, too, because maybe he's more like the witch with the cookie house. Like, he should have been fattening up his encores. Entrees? Entrees. Encore is when you have a second meal. And technically, yes, Tommy is his second, if not third meal. We all agree the Wendigo is doing a bad job at eating. Yeah. Right? So Tommy is malnourished and can't run, so Dean goes to play bait. Sam plays bait, too, because they realize that Dean bait isn't working, because obviously Sam is the tastier treat. <laughs> he's, he's, he's taller. He just, by metric measuring, he has more meat on him. <laughs> and then this... No- yeah, he's got so- like three inches on Dean. Exactly. And he's taller. Exactly. So, and we see future episodes where Sam gets all buffed out. Like, he has got plenty of meat on him. Mm-hmm. So, Dean pulls, sorry, Sam pulls back to be second bait, but the Wendigo still gets a drop on him. And we finally see the Wendigo, and it's this, like, Nosferatu-looking motherfucker. Just all gangly, walking like gumbo. Now, what I don't understand about this final scene is the Wendigo is fast. So fast you can't see him move, and like he's just stalking around his mine. I'm gonna get ya. <laughs> yeah, like his he walks like he's been riding a saddle for three weeks. His arms are out wide, like he's gonna hug him. carrying barrels in his armpits. Maybe his like armpits reek to hell, and he's trying to air him out. Mm. Like, and he's just waddling through the mine shafts. Like, he hasn't been invaded by a bunch of people. Maybe he forgot about the flare guns and he thinks he's cool. He he is cool for the moment because Sam apparently is an awful shot point range and he misses with a flare gun. Uh They hit a dead end. They are cornered by the Nosferatu and they think, oh no, we're dead. Luckily, Dean is not a bad shot point blank and kills them. Yay. Yay. And yeah, and they use up some more of their fire budget. Cut two, they're all telling bullshit stories to the popo about bears. Haley and Dean have a moment and Dean cheapens it because we're still playing up that Dean is... Dean's a slut. Oh yeah, big time. And that's fine. We're cool with Dean being a slut. I don't like this early series, Dean is a creepo slut who devalues women. Right. I much prefer future, like eight years down the road, 
I love women and I love consent, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Sam bonds with the odd brother, you know, the evil antagonist brother, and everybody leaves and it's great. I hate the ending line where Sam is like, in the meantime, I'm driving. To be fair, this is a callback to the beginning of the episode where Dean's like, hey, they'll make you feel better. You can drive. Yeah. And Sam is saying, all right, I'm ready to feel better. I want to drive. I'm ready to feel better now. Yes. (laughs) And feeling better means I get some autonomy and I get to be behind the wheel, damn it. (laughs) And I hate to be the one to nitpick. You know me. (laughs) You nitpick? Uh, Never. Uh, never. The ending shot, I'm pretty damn sure, as that Impala's driving down the road, that is Sam's hair and Sam's arm hanging out the passenger side. <laughs> uh, just saying. I mean, they, they argued about it, and then Dean was like, no, you're a whiny bitch, I'm driving. And that concludes the very lengthy plot portion. <laughs> <laughs> Now on to themes. Hannah, Hmm. can you tell me some themes you saw in this episode? No. Come on, girl. 13 completed seasons. (laughs) We got themes. Well, like I mentioned a minute ago, how you pointed out that the journal was like a Bible and John was like God. Mm -hmm. That is a reoccurring theme. I look forward to seeing that in future episodes. As do I. Just how long they continue that. Because at a certain point, they stop revering John in a big way. Oh, yeah. Some themes I noticed... Innocence accompanying slash families that go on the offense, despite the Winchesters being like, no civilians involved. (laughs) Dean and Candy. That's a fairly common theme-ish. Well, not just Candy, but eating. Yes, Dean and eating. Very There you go. (laughs) He brought peanut M&Ms as his nourishment for this at least 24-hour trek. Oh my god, if you told me I was going out in the woods for at least an evening... I would have a whole picnic basket <laughs> prepared. I, I would bring, like, some granola bars and water. Maybe a sandwich. See, is that how you were like Sam and I'm like Dean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to order takeout and have a whole bag ready to go. <laughs> well, no, just, you know, some granola bars. Maybe, like, the protein granola bars so I'll have the energy to make it through this hike. But what about the night? They had to know. They didn't even know they were up against a Wendigo yet. They didn't know how long they were out there. Ugh. Anyways. Dean not liking hunting animals. Like, he didn't overtly say that, but he referred to deers and bears as Bambi and Yogi. He's anthropomorphized them. He disparages a hunter for killing animals. Like, it's an unfair fight. I mean, that's interesting, given later seasons where Sam sympathizes with a monster and Dean doesn't. Monsters are monsters and they should all die. But then he can sympathize with animals that just go by their nature and he doesn't want to kill them. I think there's a matter of most of the monsters they interact with do have a semblance of self-control. Like, they have their instinct. Because think of all the time Sam and Dean have become monsters and <laughs> how much choice they had, you know? Yeah. So I, I think we'll see how their opinion of the unnatural in monsters evolve. And certainly not, not at this point do they have this feeling, but later we'll see them have the feeling of, 
even if you have become supernatural, you still have a choice. And when you abandon that choice for your baser instincts, that's when you become a monster. Right. Um, and that discussion starts with Madison the werewolf. Right. God, that's a killer episode. I'm not looking forward to it. Mm, that's a tough one. The last two little things. Well, this one's not little, but Dean in this episode uses the adjective freak when I'm talking to Sam. Mm. He says, you want to tell me what's going on that little freaky head of yours? And that's a theme. Yeah, that's at definitely At least in the a, first five seasons. Yeah. A sad theme. Very sad. Yeah. Based out of Dean, not... Understanding. Exactly. When somebody's upset, when somebody is going through something, freak is not the word you want to use. No. And then the last one, it's not so much a theme as it is a lack of theme. <laughs> <laughs> so... How how much in these first two episodes have we seen Dean drinking? Either I'm immune to it by now or they haven't drawn focus to it, right? Because they had that whole research scene in the bar. And I feel like there was no attention placed on the beverages they drank. And it's not like the seasons, later seasons, technically like, we're going to really emphasize the drinking. Because there are points in the series where their level of alcoholism improves. Mm -hmm. But even later on, after they are no longer using alcohol as a coping mechanism, there's still like close-ups on the beer in their hand. Or there's a line to exit the scene like, well, I'm going to go get another whiskey before I call it a night. Well, no, I don't I don't think that there was drinking. And I mean, if there, if there was, it was not important. I don't think Dean in particular starts using alcohol as a coping mechanism until later on when things get grittier. Like, I think he's pretty well adjusted at this point. I'm going to call it, I'm going to say his drinking starts when Sam dies. I think really I've seen this series once, and it's amazing I remember as much as I do for having seen it whole once. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm just going to call, I'm going to predict and say he actually begins drinking as a problem when Sam dies. Yes. Oh, yeah, because he is drinking in that episode. And then he has that year um, before he's doomed to deal with the hellhound. Oh, and it gets even worse when Cass dies. <laughs> because he's in love. God. I'm, I'm ready for their Xena Gabrielle love affair to become context. Me too. What did you hate? What did you love? Let's start with the hate so we could end on the love. What okay. did you hate? I hated the visual effects. The CGI didn't like it in this one. I mean, I didn't like it particularly in the first one either with her melting into the floor. Hold you, um, it was but shit. This one when there was the blur in the trees of the thing going fast and then him in the mines dying. I don't know. Visually, I didn't find him a very cool monster. I agree. I mean, he was scary. Like, I wouldn't want to run into that thing in real life. But as far as visual effects go, that's a no from me. I agree. That was my biggest complaint, thinking about what this episode was going to be. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, I enjoyed this episode a lot more than I thought it was going to. Haha. <laughs> yes. However, I thought the CG was going to be my com biggest complaint. My biggest complaint ends up being, though, that overall, it wasn't as exciting 
Hmm. It was a lot of time in the woods, a lot of anticipation, very little payoff. And it was time that, until you and I talked, I didn't realize could have been used to build up the story of these siblings. Like, how much more emotionally involved would we have been if we had known anything about these siblings, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. How much more would we have been involved if we knew anything about the person this Wendigo was before they became a cannibal? What caused them to become a cannibal? If we even knew fucking anything about Roy. If we knew anything about the boyfriends who died. At no point in this episode do we know anything yeah. about any of the characters besides Dean and Sam. And there are good theme-building moments between Dean and Sam, and I love those conversations, would not want those to go away or be taken away from. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of dead air, dead space in this episode that could have been used to build up the people in this episode. Let Roy be the kid who was attacked and survived and be the one to lead them out. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, they could have used their time better. Yeah, and that, it's, just, it's things that like that that they get better at as the series goes on. And in the early season, you're just like, Neh. it was okay. It wasn't bad. But you can tell how it could have been so much better. All right, what did you love? I loved Haley. You love her so much, why don't you marry her? Well, and I mean, like like you said, they could have used the time to, you know, go into more detail about this family. Like, I felt like she was a really good character, and they could have done more with her. Like, I felt like she was a smart and strong woman who took care of her family. and Absolutely. I, I felt like she was a great character they could have done more with. I liked her. I completely agree. I had two little minor things, like jokey things I loved, and then one for real thing that I loved. So my first watch through, I was a little, I was a few drinks in and just kind of like bullshitting, right? And the one thing I could find to love <laughs> my first watch through was the fact that Ben was wearing headphones while hiking. And <laughs> I was just like raising my glass like, yes, bro, if I was being made to hike through the woods, of course I would be listening to a real play D&D podcast while hiking. Yes. Like, when I'm hiking through the woods and we're in a group, don't fucking talk to me. This is not chatty chat time. I'm focusing on breathing and surviving this ordeal experience. <laughs> Let me just zone out into a world of fantasy or whatever else I'm listening to and leave me alone. I loved Ben being true to himself, even if he is secretly Evil. a psycho killer, Cascasse. <laughs> I also loved how Tommy didn't try to be a hero. <laughs> when his BFF, Gary, comes to get aided, he's just like, I'm going to be here as quiet as I can. <laughs> My best friend can just fuck off and die. <laughs> like, I just want to live. Yeah. And I was like, that, that's that's very realistic. It, it really is. Not everyone can be a hero, and Tommy is not a hero. But for real, the thing that I really loved about this series so far, you know, two episodes in, we have this story of Sam being focused on do the mission and get out. And that they didn't just leave that in the first episode, that they continued it on into the second. Mm -hmm. And the tension that brought, and the unspoken tension. Like, at no point does... Well, he does say this isn't like you at one point. But they're very subtle about Dean being taken aback and saying, like, Dan, this is not the Sam I knew two years ago. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because a big part of Sam's character, you know, in the broad spectrum is he wants a normal life. He wants to get away from hunting. But given that hunting went into his life like a knife in the back, taking Jess from him, that changes his perspective. And that is that in itself is a reoccurring theme. Mm-hmm. He wants to get away from hunting so bad, but every time hunting sticks a knife in his back, he changes his tune. Damn. At one point, he literally gets knifed in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... A literal theme. I also saw the theme of Sam losing his empathy. Mm-hmm. It's something I do want to keep an eye out for because Sam is such an empathetic character that it is very noticeable when he does make that choice. And I think it's something we'll see a lot come up, uh, come up a lot. I don't really want to call it so much when he's soulless because that's not fair. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's interesting that... Other soulless characters we see in the show, they kind of go evil. Mm-hmm. And Sam definitely did bad things soulless, but he was more controlled, more reserved. And I, I think that's a testament to his character. Well, I think it's a testament also to Dean's influence. Yes. And I, I think I want to look for times when Dean loses empathy because... Dean even says in this episode, like, I'm supposed to be the out-of-control one. You mm-hmm. know, I'm supposed to be the brash one. I, I'm going to be interested to see how often Dean loses empathy. I want to say he does not lose his perspective or empathy as much as Sam does. Oh, yeah. Like, the the quickness with which Sam can switch it off is impressive. Dean has his line, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but his line is a little more extreme than Sam's, I think. Mm -hmm. Dean has, sorry, Sam has a little more perspective or distance between himself and the problem so often. And I think that's what enables him to take a step back and pursue that normal life in a way Dean can't. Dean is too emotionally involved. (sighs) I just enjoy talking this show so much with you, I didn't even realize... Yeah. This has been, this is not going to be a short 30 minute, one hour podcast ever. <laughs> not ever. There's just too much to talk. <laughs> so, I mean, it's one of the few things that I can talk in depth about. So, like, I'm not sure that I could ever have a podcast on anything else. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised. All right. So, next week, we are going to be watching season one, episode tres. Dead in the water. Mm, it's a good Something one. in the lake of a small town is killing innocent people. Yeah. 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 I'm excited for this one because I seem to remember it's not bad. I seem to remember it's legitimately scary because there's water involved and I find water very scary. <laughs> How do you take a shower? <laughs> With my eyes closed. <laughs> I love taking a bath. But like, and so like any of those horror films that like fuck with my bath scare me. <laughs> like, don't fuck with my bath. That's a safe place. That's a safe, safe space and a safe place. Yeah, I, I really, I really like this episode we're about to watch. I mean, I know I said that about the last episode, but I, I think this one, they really, 
get better with their investigative skills. I don't remember that part so much, but so I'm interested to see how they improve. Because first episode, they did not solve it at all. <laughs> no. Second episode, they killed the monster, but they had no reason why, how, or when it got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they weren't really prepared for it. So I'll be interested to see how they do in this third one. Much better. The only other thing I remember with this episode, besides one of them like popping out of a lake with a child in their arms, is... Dean. There's a gag reel where Jensen jumps into Jared's arms. Yes. And they quote this episode as the one where they actually became friends IRL. Yeah. Like before this, there was some tension between them. Things like, eh. But this one, they buried the hatchet and they became like real life bros. Yeah. So I'm excited. Me too. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to Sisters Talk Brothers. We've enjoyed having you. We hope you've enjoyed having us. Inside your earballs. That's not a thing. Technically, there are some shaky things up in there. <laughs> My name is Kindle, and you can find me on Tumblr at Kindle Abroad. My name is Hannah, and you can find me at JailbreakFiend on Tumblr. Probably other things, but mainly that. Not Misha as our overlord, or whatever it is called. Everything overlord, or our overlord. It's a Misha blog. <laughs> and you can find us both at, or email us both, at sisterstalkbrothers at gmail.com. And yes, when you type that out, it can look like sisterstalkbrothers <laughs> at gmail.com. I don't care, okay? That's what it's fucking called <laughs> alright so tune in next week for more monsters more brothers and more sisters bye bye If Doctor Who were made in this day and age for the first time, it would not be a police call box. <laughs> no. It would probably be a porta potty at Aww. a construction site. <laughs> God, yeah, can you that's... imagine trying to convince a companion? <laughs> Just come with me into this porta potty. No. Ooh, you creepo. I'm not going into a porta potty <laughs> with you. I'm not doing it. <laughs> that's nasty. Well, I mean, Jared Padalecki was also in House of Wax, and I, I think one, one of the Friday the Thirteenth, maybe. Well, this is basically so. supernatural. Speech <laughs> because it's, you know, famous. Hold up, pause. Pause. We haven't quite, we have not quite gotten to that yet. Can I go pee real quick? Yeah, you can go pee. Thank you. I will be right back after I pee. And just edit it out in post, I guess. Or leave it in. Leave your bathroom break in the podcast. We'll just have me talking to me while you pee.